one. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of Just Swinging It. It's your girl Osa. And your girl Idia. And we have a special guest today, our second Woo-hoo. guest of the year. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Gia Love and I am a active community member like all the work that i do is centered around community on the grassroots level i am on the planning committee of black transfems in the arts collective and most people recognize or notice the work that i did in the documentary kiki which you can find on many streaming platforms um so go check that out hulu i just watched it today it was awesome. amazing yeah so it's a heads up yeah, but I believe they have it on like iTunes. I always be like, oh, I, right. I always direct people to Hulu because it's like kind of free. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you want to buy the documentary to keep forever, but if you love it that much, go do it. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Gia, for being on our show today. Um, as you mentioned that you are a part of Black Trans Femme in the Arts, could you just give us like a brief? description of what that is the work that you guys do as far as like groundwork community advocacy and things of that nature so btfa black transforms in the art collective was founded out of necessity mm-hmm. it founded to fill the void of the lack of representation lack of resources and uh, lack of the directing of resources to the things that Black trans firms actually need to see to see liberation and to see equity. So mm-hmm. when you when you think about like you know how we respond to disparities, oftentimes you know we paint like a picture or image of the things that a certain group of people need. So with trans people, it's like HIV stuff. It's like uh, it's like all these things that are just like kind of, you know, things that we do need because we are whole people. But when you think of us as whole people, we need other things that will make us be well and make us mm. live successful and just healthy and joyful lives. So we was like one day, like the founder, Jordan J, you know, took like some courses in college and she was just like, you know, she asked herself the question, like, what does a trans art politics look like? And Mm -hmm. basically it looks like BTFA. And BTFA is black trans friends really coming together to support each other, to center our joy, not our pain, to to provide each other with resources, to help each other um, utilize a uniform platform to really allow people to share their art with the world. And one of the great things about BTFA, I must say, it's a very, very new baby organization. And I think COVID-19 has given us the, you know, the platform, believe it or not, to reach a larger audience that we did not anticipate. And so like we do like artist meetups, we provide resources and uh, like for like black trans femmes in terms of like getting work. We um, facilitate workshops and we just like help black trans femmes develop like the skills that we need to be successful in art spaces. So we're also for artists, art lovers as well. So you do not have to be an artist to be a part of the collective. You just Mm -hmm. have to, you know, be interested in the arts in some way, shape, or form. Gotcha. So we... 
Oh, you mentioned, you know, being viewed, I'm sorry, um, being viewed as a whole person, which I think that the world does not tend to um, acknowledge when it comes to the LGBT plus community, and especially when it comes to trans um, people that are living the trans experience, and then especially Black trans people, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that, especially in this climate, that, um, you know, people are just unfair and they judge without knowing anything and they have this they they use a lot of crutches as religion or societal pressures or whatever the case may be and it's excuses it's it's so thank you that's the word it's excuses and you mentioned you know being a whole person and that's one thing I really loved about the Kiki doc which is on Hulu if y'all want to watch it for free it's on iTunes as well if you want to pay for it um and I loved the fact that um, everyone's experience was one different, but it, you, I got to see a person. I didn't get to see like their, their trauma. Well, there, there was a bit of trauma, obviously, but I got to see people. I got to understand their stories. I got to understand the way that they live their lives, the reasons why, you know, certain things are the way it is because of maybe their upbringing or, or family situation or mm-hmm. even education or lack thereof. And I think that is super important to, for the, for a public and especially for listeners as well to acknowledge the fact that whatever the person is, whatever they like to do, whatever they are, whoever they are, acknowledge them as a person, period. End of story. Right. No con- no back and forth, nothing of that sort. You Sorry, know, I didn't mean- <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's like, I, you know, one of the most annoying experiences that I have as a trans person is that sometimes when cisgender women see me, they feel the need to um, respond to me in like a comedic way or like, you know, they communicate with me mm. and like, yes, honey, work you know, work yeah. type of energy. And like mm. me, like, you know, that is totally far removed from the way that I communicate, especially with like cisgender women who mm-hmm. are not part of like our larger queer community. And I just feel like it minimized my whole personhood, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, I may have like my hair 30 inches down my back, but that's because I want to and I have the means and the access to do so. Mm-hmm. And that's, because that's how I perform the the person that, that I am. That has nothing to do with like this like humorous, um, uh, this humorous, like me trying to seek a humorous- You're not a, you're not a caricature, basically. Right, right, right. thank you, that's true. I'm not a caricature of a woman. Mm-hmm. That is what I feel like a lot of the communication between trans women and cisgender women who don't have a grasp or understanding about the whole personhood of trans women, that's how they communicate with us. And um, Mm -hmm. that it's so far as the Kiki documentary is concerned, you know, for me, I feel like the message that I got from it, from seeing it was that it was necessary for me to transition in order for me to become a full person because through my transition, I literally learned and accepted who I was, right? There was of the documentary where they asked me how do I define myself and I was sitting on the lawn at City College and I could like if you look if you go back and examine it like I'm talking about myself I don't know how to define myself Mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking up in the air I could not explain myself but then years later they come back to me and I'm living in my truth and ask me how do I define myself and I so Mm -hmm. eloquently defined who I was and I think that's beautiful and I think that no one no one no no religion no bigotry no 
any systemic or any institution, any system can take that away from me or people like me who whose our transitions are sources of our liberation. I have a question. I have a question for you. I always so because of everything that's going on with like, you know, Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, with trans killings and everything, which is very, 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 very regular. um, As I told also, like I've dealt with it. It was so normal to me to hear about it because I, I come from a cosmetic background and worked with so many trans women and just like hearing about the losses. So usually, um, so I want to ask you, how do you cope with that? Just want to get all the heavy stuff out the way first. Um, you know, (laughs) I'm going to be honest here. I like, I'm numb. I'm really numb to be honest. Like today I like received some Facebook communication that there was a black trans woman who was shot in, um, and murdered in Atlanta, Georgia, and like, like you know, I, it's just like, and it's like no news about it. So mm. like, I don't know like the details, so I can't speak to it. But you know, this is just that this is what happens to us, and like the lack of attention, like media attention, like mm, you yes. know that white, you know white, the white institutions control and. Mm the community attention that you would say black people don't give or the value to our lives is Mm -hmm. really hurtful. Like, you know, and we try to persevere, we try to act like we don't care, but it's really, really a slap in the face based off our struggles, the struggles that we face. You know, when you talk about like me and my identity and you talk about this full personhood or viewing me as a whole person, I am, with along with many different identities of black trans women, you know, I will I refuse to play oppression Olympics or put one of my identities before another, but I am I am exactly that. I remember being four years old and like kids asking me, why do I talk this way? Why mm-hmm. do I act this way? That was them them seeing me as who I was. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, all of my life, like I've really fought to be who I am. And I've, you know, I've done things to try to circumvent mm-hmm. where I'm at today. Like, you know, I went to an all boys high school just, wow. just to try to be more straight or just to try mm-hmm. to fix myself. And, and I don't really talk about these things because I like to ground my story and my strength. Mm-hmm. But I, it's very important for people to hear these things from a person like me because right. a lot of people see me as just so strong and so you know, nerving. I'm like having so much nerve and so much audacity. But, you know, I too have had these moments of questioning myself and, you know, coping with the reality of black trans women being disposable, being, you know, murdered at a disproportionate mm-hmm. rate. It's not even a lot of us, right? And every fucking week, there is another black trans woman being murdered. And it's specific, it is gender based violence, specifically. Mm targeting black trans women we are targeted and i think that this is the language that people need to use like these men mostly black men are targeting black trans women in many different situations and the and when when you talk about justice when there is a conversation with justice there was always this narrative of that they lied oh he did not know, right? Because mm-hmm. that's this acceptable excuse. That is the that is the excuse that mm-hmm. 
at least in the court of public opinion and also in our histor historically in our judicial system, that mm -hmm. has been an excuse that men have used to get away with murder. They use they they say it's called crime of passion. Right, right. So mm -hmm. basically, even today, even in a lot of states where that's not a delete, that's not a, a defense that people can use, mm -hmm. at least in the court of public opinion, so people will not know that oh, I was intimately involved with the trans women. Oh, I. I am acknowledging that I have to say I did not know to save my face, even though I'm about to spend the rest of my life in jail. At the end of the day, it's about protecting their toxic and fragile masculinity. Ooh, and trans, women, <laughs> trans <laughs> women will continue to continue, continue to be murdered and continue to experience this genocide. It's genocide. Mm -hmm. it black cis men Black cis men have the conversation that they need to have with themselves about what they like, what they're into, what they need to do to heal. If they do not have that conversation, they're going to continue to murder us at a disproportionate rate. I don't think they're ready for that conversation, though. That's that's the only thing with me. Like, so there'll be times where, you know, I will never forget I was working at a cosmetic company and this Spanish guy came in and one of my coworkers who was a trans woman, like, I mean, like you just, you honestly just like, she just looked very, 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 very femme. Right. Right. I don't know if I'm using the, the, the correct verbiage and right. she wasn't like, she just was a really beautiful girl to right. like to me and to everyone else. And, um, I guess when she like opened her mouth and stuff like that, because she wasn't on hormones at the time, like when we first started he was so offended that she looked that good and he was attracted to her. And I find that men make excuses for all of that. It's just like, why he, he snapped. He was just like, why did, why is she dressing like that? And she's a, a, a nigga. Like that's, that, that's basically what he said. And we were just like, you're mad because you were attracted to the woman. You get what I'm saying? Like you, you're, you're, you're trying to basically justify your feelings and, you're making it seem like it's her fault that you're 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 feeling these ways when it has nothing to do with her. It's all of you. And that's why we say toxic masculinity and all of like these, you know, they do the same thing when they abuse their wives, right? They make mm -hmm. it seem it's mm -hmm. their fault. So that's why it has to be a total deconstruction of this masculine. That's why I say like cis women and trans women, we have to unite in our efforts because mm -hmm. the thing is, is that a lot of the abuses that we face are a uh, are an extension of the way that they ultimately treat cis women, right? Mm -hmm. they, you know what I mean? It's a manifest. It's a manifestation of their hate trait of themselves and the way they project, in the way they see the women in their lives. Like, if you think about it, it's not just black trans women. We are being killed very differently and the circumstances, yes. the targeting that we are experiencing and the genocide that we are experiencing at the hands of black men is unique. But black cis women experience this gender-based violence from black men as well. Yes. Seen it with the young lady who was murdered in Tallahassee, Florida. Speak on it, yes. speak on I'm it. Kalao. Sorry, I can't speak her name right now because I don't remember, Olu? Oh, Toyin Salawo. Sorry, thank you. So can you say it again? Toyin Salawo. Toyin Salawo. So I wanted yeah. to speak her name because I feel that that is like the experiences that black women generally face at the hands of black men. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, 
it's a systemic it's a it's a problem and you know we need we as black women need to we need to like force i think it's time that we force these men to have these conversations to save our lives there's no reason why mm. as black trans women like i have to strategically place myself in certain situations mm -hmm. i have to strategically navigate this world in order to survive because mm -hmm. i don't want my life and everything that i have worked for to be to come to an end and some weak ass man is saying mm. like oh i tricked him and that's why he killed me and people actually believe it when that is not the way i live my life if you google my damn name you see everything i've done so why would i trick you when yep. i'm over google and internet speaking about the justice the liberation of black trans people so i don't want that and i feel like i'm forced to you know, protect myself. And it, it, like, we have to force these guys to have this conversation and do the work that they need to do. But but I feel like when, when you make, like, so for men, right? I feel like Osa and I, we spoke about this. Like, the, the whole separation of Black Lives Matter and, like, Trans Lives Matter. I feel like Black heterosexual men, cis men, feel like if they speak up about trans issues, the hood or whatever, or whoever is going to look at them as if they are not allies, but like men who like trans women. Trans women. But, see, but the thing is, is that all men, and, I, and I'm going to say this, and I, I don't care what flack I get, <laughs> all men like trans women, because if the fact that you see me, right, you don't, you see me, you like me, right? Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You find out something about me and tell yourself you don't like me. That is something that you have to grapple with. But you see me, you like me. So, like, if I am a woman, you see me, you like me, right? You see mm -hmm. what you see. You see a bad, your bad one walking down the street. She's a bad one. You can't take it back. Yeah, <laughs> you can't, yeah. But it's like the toxicity and, like, like we say, like, like people trying to uphold, you know, their position and their place in her. Let me explain something to you. And I, oh, I told this guy this one time. He was acting a little sketchy about his interaction with me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. Believe it or not, when you act sketchy and you, all the things that you do to try to hide the fact that you are into trans women, um, it makes it obvious. Mm. <laughs> it's true. Right? So the thing is, is that I've been in many situations, right? And, you know, maybe they have not known I was trans. Maybe they have known I was trans, right? But I've been in situations where black men have protected me. Mm. That's amazing. I'm, I'm happy to I, hear that. I've been in situations, uh, no, um, it's been a few. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's been a no, few, but, but, it's been a few, but I, I will acknowledge. I will acknowledge that not all men suffer from that disease that you talk about of, you know, if I defend this person, I am, I am like trans, like I like trans women. A trans lover or something. Right, right, right. Mm. The thing is, is that at the end of the day, right, let's deconstruct some things. There need, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to a trans woman. And as I already said, if you see me, you like me, you like me. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. like honestly, like, it's very few, like, I'm a gorgeous girl. Like, you can't like, see me and not think I'm gorgeous. And, and mm -hmm. if, you, if you try to tell yourself that I'm not, you know, like, you still like me, but you're just doing toxic <laughs> work of trying to navigate your attractions. And yeah, that's what yeah. you just have to do. But, like, you know, I can't really, I'm not going to apologize for existing. 
right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that I just implore, like, you know, our brothers to, you know, treat people how you want to be treated, you know, you know, be, be, you know, understand. And I feel that black men a lot suffer with this, like, ignorance of their privilege. Mm. They think that, like, when you say Black Lives Matter, I, what does that mean to me, right? Does it mean Black women? No, not necessarily, because, you know, even in the conversation about police brutality, people have to fix their face a different way to mention that Black women, too, also suffer from these egregious, vi egregious violence that the police inflict upon us. They, we too have to fix our face another way to talk about the policing of trans and LGBTQ folks, right? So it's like, what does that mean? And I think that I would just lastly say on this topic, because I think mm -hmm. that this was the question you was asking. I think that we have to be very intentional about the language that we use. When we say Black trans lives matter, we mean it. We are not yeah. hiding anymore. We are not trying to pass as cisgender. We want to know that we are here. We deserve to be here. We have rights to exist and we're coming to take it. So when we say that, we don't need people to say all black lives matter. No, you know what we mean. We mm -hmm. are saying black trans lives matter and we have space in this conversation to include other folks, okay? Mm. So when we are having this conversation, let's not, let's not, play with language and say all black lives matter because I challenge our black folks like, yo, that's the same thing they're saying when they say all lives matter. So let's say trans being yeah. trans is not going to kill you. Learning about our experiences, learning about our full whole personhood is not going to kill you. Actually, it may make you a better person if you got to know a trans person and you know, looked at the world through our lens, you may become a better, more self-aware person. I agree. Mm. Um, I you that. mentioned, you know, like strategy and defense and, and somewhat to the extent of liberation. And in the doc, Kiki, you also mentioned like advocacy. I remember you telling the story of when, you know, you were put into like the special, special education class and you advocated for yourself to um, get out of that. And I thought that was amazing, especially being like a young, a young child and advocating for yourself in that manner is, is, is amazing to watch. And like, how does, how does advocacy like look like for your community? Like, do you think that more, more trans people are advocates for themselves or do they have to rely on others? Like, how does the advocacy work as far as trans men and specifically trans women go, black trans women? So I think that for all ch trans and gender diverse individuals and like the world we live in, like, like literally, honestly, if you step outside and you like, honestly, you identify as a man and you put on a dress, right? And you do it with purpose, right? With intention, mm -hmm. that's a form of advocacy, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and I don't say that to comment about trans people, but I think that it's a form of, you know, there's a lot of like gender diverse people, gender non-binary people mm -hmm. who are also existing in this world. And like, you know, the fact that you are, well, the people are processing their existence in a unhealthy or a bigoted way. Um, that's like something that they have to deal with. But like my lived, me literally walking out of my door every day doing the work that I do is a form of advocacy. And I I think that trans people, like I said, I had to be 
I had to self-advocate for myself all of my life. Like, literally, mm-hmm. since I was young, I remember, like, people calling me the F word, you know, like, people mm-hmm. asking me, like, very evasive questions, uh, you know, asking a child very evasive questions that I could not answer at that time. It was, like, seven yeah. years Oh, and I had to really know myself, or even if I didn't know myself, act like I did to mm-hmm. really get through, right? And, you know, when you talk about that experience, like, you know, like, it's so funny because that experience in the film was, like, very emotional for me, just to give you yeah. a little background about that. Because um, I told my family, um, I let my family interview with them alone. I didn't want to be there. And, you know, I never told... Um, the people in the documentary about my experience and like me being a very bright kid. I was very bright and like I was always smarter than most, even like in any situation. But I had like, I used to act out a little bit and and I will attribute that to me not being able to be myself or even heard or understood. Yeah, and also being in these situations where, like, people didn't understand me. And when I didn't act a certain way, I got bullied. So I learned very early on, like, if I was the big bad bitch in the room, nobody Mm -hmm. would bully me. But if I was the soft, timid little queen that I am, like, people are going (laughs) to come for me. So Mm -hmm. I I had to really be that big bad bitch that I am. and Just um, like when you pressed that little boy in the... Um, on the street (laughs) right so like that that was like a manifestation of like everything that like I and a lot of trans women have to go through right it's like yo you're walking down the street no one's paying you any mind right they don't know you're trans and like the friend you said in the um in the hair uh in the salon that you were working in they didn't know I was trans but then they heard my voice and then Mm. they then they spoke me and then they started to say um, like nasty things to me. And I'm just like, one, I'm a grown ass woman. That is number right, one. Right. You're a child. Number two, don't play with me. Period. <laughs> like, I don't think you want, you don't want this. And yeah, also, you I felt it because you said you were triggered and it felt like, damn, like, yo, it was like you were reverting back to who you were when you were, when you were yeah, younger. Like, you know, little kids, like really mm-hmm. not even being respectful of like a grown up, you know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah. you know, like me, like I'm triggered because like I'm being put in this position, like, right, honestly, to be recorded and like, it, like no one wants to like see themselves being targeted you know what i mean on camera mm-hmm. you know what i mean? I had yeah. to wrestle with the yeah. fact of even if i wanted that in the film because i don't want i don't want that image of me to be out there right like you don't want people to see you know we don't really see images right that's not me recording kids taunting me that's someone else recording kids taunting me right mm-hmm. very different very very different it's so raw I, and raw, though. I had to really wrestle with that. But in terms of, like, advocacy, I think that, you know, every every day a Black trans person is living, they are doing major work to change the world in their own way, in our own right, in our own space. And we continue to live, continue people to explore your gender, let's break down this binary, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We need to really get rid of it. It's holding us back. It's making unnecessary, making people have unnecessary hurdles in their lives, right? That 
exist that shouldn't exist. So I think that every time a black trans person, you know, comes out or transition in the way that they transition and present themselves to the world, they are doing the work that needs to be done to deconstruct the binary and being the fierce advocate that they are. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking to like, you know, like the trans living, you know, the trans experience, like you mentioned, you touched briefly on like family and, um, you know, besides the, the doc, like just in general, like when I've had conversations with someone like Marcos, who is in the scene and does have a lot of experience with um, being around people that are of trans and, you know, hearing certain stories and, and just doing research or just hearing stories online of how, you know, whether it doesn't even matter whether you're queer, non-binary, whatever your um, sexual orientation or your gender identity may be, like the one common denominator I've always found is that either the family doesn't accept them, they get kicked out. I think of Pose, I think of that very first season. I forget the character's name, but when um, when Damien. the, the right. Damien, thank you. When yeah. Damien gets kicked out and he moves to New York City and you know he gets mm-hmm. bags stolen and, and that happens to be a lot of people's stories and it's quite unfortunate and like I'm sure Gia, I'm not I'm not imposing a view on you but I'm just I'm just asking like beside you but like can you speak to other people's experience of like them and their family um family ties and like how that affects people on a daily basis because I'm sure you see that you know every day well you know what I must say this I've had a lot of like I have I feel like like Believe it or not, my issues that I have with my mom, particularly, are intersectional. Intersectional, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, mm, they, they so, so many reasons why we have issues. You know, it. I wouldn't say it's because I'm trans. I wouldn't say it's because I identify as LGBTQ. But you know, I could say like some of it definitely. It may be a part of that. You know, mm-hmm. some of it is like just things we went through as a family growing up that we had to work towards. But I must say that my mother. Although, like, my mother has, like, kicked me out at times, but not, like, in the sense, like, I always could go back, and I knew that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, like, we got into a nasty... You weren't, like, disowned or whatever. Never disowned. And it was, like, you know, we got into a nasty argument, and she was, like, get the out of my house. And I was, like, okay, <laughs> well, guess what? I'm gonna we, all, we all been there. Right. <laughs> right Everybody, right. right? You know, that's all grown, you know, kids who are developing an identity outside of their parents, you know, mm-hmm. because... And then now you feel like you have to have that argument and your parent has to let you know, this is my house, this is my room. So I've had that experience, like, but I never had the experience of, you know, like being kicked out because of like, like me being like who I am. So mm-hmm. I've never had that experience. Mm-hmm. I've always actually been, for the most part, um, applauded for who I am and respected for who I am. And that goes across like not only just my mom, but my siblings, my mother has always befriended a lot of LGBTQ folks. Um, a lot of her really best friends, like, and like people in her life, even growing up, like, you know, like some parents, you know, they may have like a kid, you know, so we all know that when you have your kid and you see them and you're like, hmm, that one is gonna be a little different, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, you know your kids before you do, but then you yeah. tell yourself. Before you they tell, know themselves. Yeah, you tell yourself, like, oh, no, this is probably a phase. You know, you create, you know, because, you know, parents, of course, they're, like, people are more aware than they want to admit, okay? Mm-hmm. People are more aware than they want to admit. They don't Most want their parents child, know already before oh, they... But, but not even that. They don't want their child to be gay because they know how they treat gay people or how the world... They know how the world deals them, right? Right. So they don't want their child to be gay because of that, right? And 
you know, it's like, okay, well, if you know that the world treats these people this way, why don't you try to treat people another way, right? Right, be the change you want to see. (laughs) Right, right. why don't you create a space like Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union for your child to be Mm -hmm. just themselves in spite of the nasty, disgusting... But you know, but you know what's crazy? Like, like it's it's funny that you even you brought that up because with Zaya, right? They come from a different environment than like a lot of us do, right? So like when you when you when you live in like a I don't like a I, I don't know like the hood or whatever. Right, like you're just speaking it. That's we don't the got the we don't got the resource. Like it's like they don't have the resources to even to even be open to those type of conversations because right. they know what their kid is gonna face. You know what I'm right. saying? Like right. I feel like the narrative probably would have been different if Zaya, Gabrielle Union, and 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 whatever came from like Harlem or Best Buy or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Or not even maybe I don't know their story, but you know maybe they have just so much money now. I'm pretty sure before yeah. Dwayne was in the NBA, he didn't have as much money as he had before. So mm-hmm. you know, and also the ability of Dwayne Wade could inbox me or Janet Mock or. Laverne Cox. Mm. Can you mentor my child? Like, like my, like my access, like my access. My mother doesn't or doesn't have that opportunity or that space, right? Even when you think about Caitlyn Jenner and the way her transition was received by the world, that was a fucking privilege. That is not how it goes, okay? And I know she received a lot of backlash, but baby, she got a lot of support that I didn't have. That, you know, my friends in my community, I have, I, I was asked so many times, like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so she was asked this too, but no, you don't get, you don't transition and become, we get on the cover of, was it, um, what oh, magazine? Or uh, something like that. Yeah, you don't, you don't do, that's not, that's not what right. we experience. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, the, you're making a great point, but I do think that we need to have, we need to, these parents, like, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, like, continue doing the work and providing opportunities for parents who are not in the economic and social situations that you guys are in to love and accept their kids. Because I do think that there's a lot of limitations, but I feel that people need to take responsibilities. Because like I said, you don't want your child to be gay because you understand the way, what you understand at least from an outside looking in, how gay people are treated in this world. So you should at least create the environment in your home that is not like that. And maybe, just maybe, your mm-hmm. child may not end up the way you don't want them to. But they yeah, don't right. understand that when they kick them out and they don't allow them to be themselves, you are creating all these disparities that they will eventually face mm-hmm. in the world growing at home forward. Because they don't they don't know what home looks like. They don't know right. what it's like to be um, celebrated at home. And, you know, even with my family, I always tell everyone this, I am blessed. Do I have a perfect family dynamic with my family? No, but it's not because, um, uh, I'm trans. If anything, they have celebrated me because of it. And mm-hmm. I am blessed. A lot of people don't have that experience. Um, mm-hmm. but also I'm very different. I think that the reason why my family celebrates me in the way they did do is because I demand it and I let them know, mm-hmm. like, Yo, like, word two, I am very calculated. Like, I'm a calculated person. Like, y'all not gonna um, aid in the bed 
one type of person, right? And let them be authentic and not productive in this world. And you guys are, even though I'm open to accepting everyone and I don't succumb to respectability politics, but you do. So you're going to respect me because I have done a lot in this world. I have made it very far. I have educated myself. I have had all of these great experiences in this world that if if not for me being trans, you would love and you oh. would applaud. Oh. What you're going to do is you're going to um, applaud me for the things that I have done. You're going to acknowledge and speak power into my trans experience. Because if not for me being trans, I would not be sitting here in this power today. Hmm. Damn. Wow. I felt that shit. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I love that. And, and it's unfortunate that um, the way that the world, the society views trans people as not as powerful or don't have identity or don't have, they're not a person like we mentioned earlier. But um, see, and you, I, yeah, I want to say, I'm sorry for cutting you up, but I just want to say that that is like, it's a strategic. Why mm. would you want someone who's the most self-aware person, probably the strongest person you know in your life to feel powerful? Do you know what trans people would do to this world? Like, do you yeah. understand? Like, how talented, like, the trans women. Like, I know a lot of trans women, like, you know, who ha are the most talented people ever. But, you know, their hurdle is their trans experience. The, this historic yeah. trauma, right, of being rejected because of who they are. So how can I just only know rejection because of who I am and expect to flourish and thrive in this world? That Do you feel like that narrative is changing, though, a little bit? I think that that narrative, yeah, well, I think that that narrative is changing communally, but definitely mm. there are still women who are not where they need to be, and they right. need the support, mm. they need the resources, they need to be, you know, they need to be met where they are, right? Not mm, everyone yeah. has the Gia experience. The Gia experience is I've always been the person who was daring. So, you know, even when I was in high school, like even though I was like what you would consider like a hood ghetto team i don't care i take pride <laughs> in that like i take pride in that i was like i'm going on a debate team they was like people like you don't you fight every day after school why are you going on a debate team maybe i should go on a debate team because i like to argue so i'm gonna go on the debate team and Time then sharpening your skills right, <laughs> after we get on the debate team i start to go to all these competitions where it was like we were the only black kids so i'm like i'm gonna continue to go i'm daring then, like, moving on, like, I went to college. Like, not everyone had that experience, like, you know, because I, like I said, I wasn't kicked out of my home. Mm -hmm. So I had at least the space to sleep. I didn't have to worry about, you know, how I'm going to, where I'm going to sleep the next night. That's a lot, that's a huge worry to have. Mm -hmm. but it's, I'm saying as a child. So it was like, I could focus on other things. But some people have literally been um, surviving since they were children. Mm -hmm. So hard to really um, move forward or grow with the evolution because they're so used to existing in the world in one way. And that's why people who have access, people who have privilege need to do the work, get poor in their resources, give up their privilege, give up their platform for people that don't have the voice, like Gia, to speak mm -hmm. and tell their stories, right? People always want Gia to come and speak because I can speak and I'm, you know, and I know that's my power, but it's like, yo, what about Keisha from Brooklyn? They mm -hmm. have a story too. Always on the, who, who stands 
under on the stroll at night. Gia goes to sleep at 10 o'clock and got to be to work at 9 a.m. Keisha don't have that experience. Why are we talking to Keisha? We need to find Keisha. Equity is about, about giving up privilege. It's about doing the work you need to do to give other people access. So I know, I know it's hard to find Keisha, but go find her. You can do it. Give up some of your time. Find Keisha and let Keisha be on your platform and hear Keisha's story. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Well, I, I just have a quick question. That, oh. I was going to no, say, like, oh, okay, okay. quick comment, quick comment. I was going to say <laughs> that I think, um, you know, with being an orator and like being an advocate and, and somewhat like a spokesperson for the community, I feel like some a lot of people want a certain type of person to yeah. represent a community, right? So they want the quote unquote reform, refined, you know, the person that can speak all the, 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 the source words in the dictionary and all that stuff. And, the Janet Mock. I think. Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. you, you speak to a very important point, um, Gia, of, you know, calling out the Keishas and, and the Keishas of the world because their story is important as well. Their mm-hmm. their their experience is important as well. And it is there isn't one, like I always say, monolithic kind of view of a person, of a type of people. Like we right. are different in every way. And it mm-hmm. is important to highlight everyone and their experience and their story. So I just, that was my little comment. And just ahead, like, b- b- before you go, I just want to say that, um, it's like, you know, it's, it's just so easy, right, to be that person. So, like, find Gia, right? It's so easy because I have the space to put myself out there and the privilege. It's like, let's hear from... I really want, it, I really want people to do that because the point I was going to make, I kind of forgot my point and I had to talk around it to get it back. The point I was going <laughs> to make is that when you think about the trans women who are being murdered, it's not Gia's. Mm-hmm. It's Keisha's. That's what I was. That's what I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you. So I was gonna ask, why do you think? And, I, and when I, and when we okay. say the Keisha and Gia analogy, we're not like kind of like placing identities, but I'm just really speaking truth to like my experience as a black woman. You're going, acknowledging your privilege, right, right? Right, and also it's just like you know, I just know what it's like. Like I, I, I'm the type of girl. Like honestly, here I can say it. I've been that girl who. People, I could be that girl who people will look down upon, that ghetto-ass girl. I've been that girl. I am that girl sometimes. Mm-hmm. I am that girl who can go into a boardroom and really give it to them as well. I've been all. The, I've been a sex worker. I've stood next to Keisha before and really mm-hmm. did the same things Keisha had to do to survive. So I'm speaking from the, you know, the, the, the like you said, it's not a monolithic experience. It's a full experience. And I just yeah. really want... I want to hear these women who are at the margins speak about their stories, and I want to hear from them, not just in the sense of you creating a documentary to speak about them. I yes. want to interview them, right? Find yes. out why they are, where where they are, and what do they need to be supported? Because you you keep right. asking Dia, what do they need to be supported? And you know, I've done work. You know, I can speak to that those issues, but these people who are who are in these circumstances are more equipped to speak about what they need than I am. Yeah. Because the only time I've ever heard, like, the since we're using the Gia and Keisha analogy, the Keisha, the Keisha experience was when, because one of my favorite documentaries is Paris is Burning. And that was, that's, like, the only time I, I like, I, I hear about it or unless I hear about it through the grapevine, through friends who are part of, like, the LGBT community of, of people who were murdered. But I was going to ask, why do you think... Um, 
the I mean, it's, I think it's probably pretty obvious, but like the black trans experience and the white trans experience is very, very different because um, I never hear about white trans women being murdered. You know, well, there was a white trans woman who was murdered, but like it's so funny, like the circumstances of her murder is like so typical. Probably she was, I believe she was from Texas, and a guy walked into. You know what? <laughs> it's so funny. The lady that you talked about in the salon, it like literally like she was working at a salon. She was a trans woman, mm-hmm. and a white guy came in there and basically stabbed her up for no reason. And when they caught him, he said he did it because God told him to. Oh my God. Don't, quote me. don't quote me on the details of what happened, but yeah. recollection of what I read. And um, I think that, black, you know, I'm going to answer your question directly now. Mm-hmm. I think that because of white supremacy and white privilege, white people have more mm-hmm. space to, they're more co- compatious about how they identify and how they uh, identify themselves or their definitions of who they are so white people have space to be trans like for example you know and they, but you know not saying that they don't face issues and disparities because of it but you know you can see like a whole and this is I always talk about this like a guy on a train with three kids and you'll you'll be looking at it you're like oh like okay is this a gay man like I, I'm, I'm you know whatever you're mm-hmm. having to turn a conversation and then his wife will come on and you'll be like hmm and it's just like I see that white men generally, white people just are more able to express themselves. They don't have yeah. a, they don't have a, a identity politics that they have to follow. They can just explore the endless mm-hmm. possibilities of life because of their history on this planet and because of the system that they have put in place for themselves to thrive and be successful. So you know. That's why there is more, because that's why I'm saying it's racial violence, it's gender-based violence, it's very specific and intentional the way black men target black trans women and uh-huh. murder us, and um, it's very specific and intentional. And that's why it, it, the, the only solution to that is the eradication of, um, of fragile masculinity and toxic masculinity and massage noir, trans massage noir, um, that is the only way we can eradicate this genocide that we are experiencing in contemporary society. Agree. Well, well speaking to like systems and erasure, um, I think sometime earlier this month, the Trump administration um, erased the, uh, was it the transgender civil rights protection in healthcare? Something they to that tried effect? to. They tried, yeah. so it wasn't successful, or was it yeah. finalized? Yeah, I think it was successful, actually. Yeah, I, I believe so. I thought so, they signed but, against it. Like, they, they reversed it. Um, they probably... No, so a rule was finalized at the Department of Health and Human Services that the federal government would no longer recognize gender identity as an avenue for sex discrimination in healthcare. <sighs> yeah, you know, and it's so funny because I I just think about like my like my issues and that that's why I was I, I like you know now I could get a little personal here like when I think about like my obstacles like you know when I, like when cis people have to go to the doctor it's a very very different experience even when I was cisgender I just remember just having a very 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 different experience um, than when. I than I do now. It's just so much like it's like really anxiety, you know, mm. a lot of anxiety, a lot of like ex, like like 
not today, but I remember times where I had to explain to doctors who I remember I got a gender affirming surgery and the nurses like were mispronouncing me on purpose while oh I was while I was waking up from anesthesia. You know what I mean? So these are just very specific, you know, and, you know, and that's why you talk about intersectionality, right? I think they, like, because I was black and trans and they were black nurses, they felt that they could do that to me. Mm -hmm. But if it was a white trans person, I think that they would not have the power, like, they would have felt like they didn't have the power or that they could have gotten in trouble for treating this white person that they view as pure and un- they can't do no wrong because of the way society use these people. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because you say that in, uh, on this conversation, the first time I ever realized that there was a very distinct difference between even the way black people treat black LGBTQ people versus black trans people is I was on 125th Street one day and because I'm trans and I have the ability to blend in and pass as gender, um, <laughs> I'm standing there, and these group of guys are not saying anything to me. I'm so sorry, y'all. They just started the fireworks. Excuse me. <laughs> if there's any noise. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't hear you, but so they didn't say anything okay, to me. Sure. But I was standing there, and this black queer person walks by in his little cute shorts, and the men lit him up, lit him hmm. up, and of course, like we do, he walked with his head held high, and didn't say anything to them. But that white queen came right after him with similar shorts on, and they didn't say one word to him. And at that point, I was like, hmm, hmm. we have a problem. We really have a problem. We hate so, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it, it's right. That's why I always say it. We hate ourselves. Like, we hate what we see. You know, people, like, when, like, these men are, like, how do you treat your sisters? How do you treat your mother? Mm -hmm. How do you treat your daughters? Right? If someone can't uphold those relationships those are the most intimate and the most familiar that we are taught to know that you are if you can't have those like healthy experiences and um if those may have been complicated ones for you i think the ones that you have with others that are not familiar are going to be complicated as well hmm. that's true i wonder why that is though but i guess we'll never know honestly well, yeah, like you said, it's like we need to eradicate, you know, you know, the like the the power and the influence mm -hmm. that um, the white gaze. That's what it's about. That makes it so that yeah. people of color, black people particularly in this country, don't see ourselves as full human beings, right? And we mm -hmm. always we're we're always and we've been taught and conditioned to cozy up to like this idea of whiteness and like what in terms of in all facets of society, from yeah. to education to like just like for just the American dream. If you think about like just like that idea um, mm -hmm. alone. And it's like the American dream was not a dream that was created in our image. Uh, yeah. so why no, should to like participate in that politics? So that's like what my like work and what I'm my internal and work is really to try to create an image of a black trans woman, right? Like like Jordan said, like what is the art politics of a black trans woman? It's the life and liberation of Gia Love, right? Me existing in this world as a full person, as a person that is not afraid to be trans and who can navigate this world in these systems and be successful at it, who is, who 
benefits from the benefits from the community and benefits from the people that are in communi- communication with mm-hmm. me in my life. Do you think you need the allyship of the white LGBT um, Q plus community? Do you um, think black trans, um, black just black LGBTQ plus people? Do you think they need the white allyship of 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 them? So, uh, do we need their allyship? I think that they benefit. Anyone who benefits from privilege needs to be held accountable and needs to do work and needs to mm-hmm. um, give up. Privilege. So that is also including like black cis folk who are heterosexual, yes. that's including white gay people, right? Because the thing is, is when they passed gay marriage, as I talked about in Kiki, it was like, yeah. oh, like everything was good now, but everything was good maybe for white gay men, right? And white mm-hmm. lesbians, but trans women can't even fucking go to the doctor in some places. Mm. Right? Or can't even get a job without being right. It can't even, well, well, now we can. Well, I think that now that you can't be fired for being trans, they passed that. Uh, yeah, they definitely but are did. People, are trans people being hired? It's it's the right. one thing to, it's like, to get right. a job, it's, but are you even going like to an interview? System. You know, it's a whole system, right? It, oh, right. So like, if I'm if I ha- don't have my ID changed or don't have certain things changed and I'm not passable, then. I can't even go into a job and be hired because they can just say, oh, I'm not qualified. Oh, I'm not a good fit. They, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, just, it's just like it's a lot of different like systematic issues that we have to uh, try to really, you know, get get, you know, get over that hurdle to make progress a real thing for the people who need it right not just surface and not just like in society so that's why i'm very like very like you know i'm very wary about talking about the status quo as one that is progressive and for black trans people because as people are yelling down the streets black trans lives matter you still see black trans women being murdered in like southern states at the same day right (laughs) you know what i mean so i think I think that we just really need to, you know, like I said, hold people accountable, you know, hold your brothers, hold your sisters, hold your parents accountable when they say things, have these discussions. Mm -hmm. That is what the younger generation is doing. A lot of like younger people and like Generation Z, you know, I think they're going to live in a very, very different world than we live in today and that we grew up in because like they're just so much more aware because of social media. Like, you know, like the fact that it's like funny, my nephew showed me like the TikTok and he was following a gay person. And you know, my nephew is 10 years old. I don't know what his sexual orientation is, but you know, he was just following him. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah. in my day and age, like why you, like it would, and I didn't question why he was following him, but that would have never been something that we would have been implored to do. You know what right. I mean? Like he would have been teased by his friends, yeah, etc. Friends, but it seems like the younger generation is just more open and accepting of different people because they're learning about these people in school. They're seeing positive and affirming representations of these people. You know what I mean? People have access to YouTube, so it's like if Gia has a YouTube channel, like you can become a fan and subscribe to my channel and hear, right. hear and see about the way I live my life. Well, speaking of like YouTube and social media, um. I want to speak about outings, and there was a very popular, there is a very popular um, beauty YouTuber, her name is Nikki Tutorials, mm-hmm. and um, she basically was pushed to, um, you know, 
come out as trans because she was being blackmailed. And this is a like billions, millions of followers, like huge, one of the top, you know, YouTubers or whatever. And I think she's based somewhere in Europe. I can't remember the country. Sweden, I'm sure. In Sweden. Okay, thank you. So, you know, like I think I think of just even down to people that I know and some people where they've told me their stories where they were outed by whether it was a family member or a friend or whomever. And and I, I, I think of Nikki Totoro's who's on a bigger scale where millions of people know her and follow her and she's being blackmailed to the point where she has to forcefully announce to the world of who she is and you know her her gender identity. Like how how do you how do you um or what would you advise people that are of the outing, you know, stance? Like, oh, I'm going to tell people about your business. I'm going to tell people your story. Whereas the person who, the person's story is not even, be, is not ready to be told, you know? So what's so, your stance on that, Gia? I will say this. I think that we need to create conditions in our society where trans people don't feel like they have to be um, in the closet or they have to protect their trans identity, they should, we should feel like we can be unapologetically trans and be open about that and feel mm-hmm. safe in our identities. So no person should feel like they have to be like, um, not be able to tell that they're trans and that telling people that they're trans will have an adverse um, impact on their career or of their following because I'm pretty sure if Nikki Tutorial, even in the makeup industry, would have presented herself as a trans woman, her success would have been a very different experience. Still would have been great. Absolutely. It it probably would have been great, but it would have been different. So um, Mm -hmm. of just the way we we are, right? Or the way people would have treated her as a trans makeup artist versus as a cis woman who is in makeup. So I think that what I would just say is we need to uh, eradicate those systems that make it so that trans women feel like the only way that I can live this life and be um, respected and appreciated and uplifted is if I hide the fact that I'm trans. Mm. I have a question for you. What is your biggest what is your biggest fear being a black woman, a black trans woman right now? My biggest fear Huh, that's an interesting question. Um I think my biggest fear would be that people we don't see progress because I, ha- I I'm hopeful, but then I get like pessimistic sometimes. And then I think about like, will I see it in my life? And, you know, it's just so many pe- like and I want us to win. Like I want like I like I felt like sometimes I feel like if I could get in the heads of like all black people, you know, and just, you know, because I have a lot of work I need to do with myself as well. Mm-hmm. But at least get them to get them get them to the point where I'm at. Um, we would just be so much better off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or just like we'd like just yeah. get us to a point of like being on the same page. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Having like a unified front, like a, a, uh, uh, supporting and uplifting our differences, but creating a basic level of decency and respect that we um, give out to all people. So I just hope that like we can see progress and like the idea or the reality or the uh, uh, a world that we don't see progress is very frightening and scary to me. Mm. That's real. Well, earlier you mentioned um, sex work and I know sex work is pretty much like one of the biggest employment for trans women. Um, how can, you know, employers kind of change 
without having it to without without it having to be like a law like you know it's, things shouldn't have to be a law it should just be like people should just have you know the kindness of their heart or just i need i need to hire someone and this is a person who's who has the qualification has the experience and is applying for this job why not hire them so back to the question of like you know being sex work being one of the biggest employment big, being the biggest um source of source of employment for trans people i think of the show pose and you know seeing like Electra and you know she's doing sex work and I see Candy she's doing sex work and you know down at the pier stuff like that um what do you think that people and especially employers could implement to sort of change that like narrative and 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 that function of you know employment and in, in regards to trans people so I think historically trans women had to rely on sex work to survive because that was like a lot of, like you said, like laws and like just like society wasn't at the point where people were hiring trans people. And a lot of trans people don't have the privilege to look like, you know, India Moore or some of these women who can pass as cisgender and present to society in a certain way. You know, like we like like I said earlier, there are standards of acceptability that do get certain type of people a leg in, you know, colorism, all these things that we could talk about. But I think that, um, you know, I don't know the numbers, so I wouldn't say that sex work is the biggest employer of um, trans women or like that's okay. what most, I don't, I don't know the numbers, of, so I can't say that. I do know that a, a large number of trans women are sex workers. Um, and that is due to the conditions in our society and the systems that we have in place that don't allow for trans women to feel comfortable with entering the workforce, right? Also, it is because we live in a society where there's just a demand for a trans woman to be taboo and be um, at the, at the, you know, be there to fulfill the sexual needs of men who want to pay for sex with them. So I think that, you know, there needs to be there, there definitely needs to be a more of highlighting the w women, trans women and trans people who are not in these roles. You know what I mean? Like you just mentioned, like on Pose, even during that time, there were trans people working. You know, Electra did work at um, in Doshin, right? You know, even though she, you know, I think the reality is, right, is that right, 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 trans right. women have tried to like integrate into the workforce. But, you know, I always say like, honestly, to be trans is very fucking expensive. Like, yo, like some of these surgeries that we have to get to feel comfortable with who we are and to really, you know, you know, and like I said, it's like we have been conditioned to like try, try our best to pass because passing is safety, right? Passing is not, you know, passing mm -hmm. is beautiful to you, but we want to pass so we can blend in so we don't be, or so we're not attacked. And, you know, hopefully we could get to a point where people don't feel like they have to, you know, do these things to pass or, or engage in these practices. Because I feel like, you know, back in indigenous times when like, you know, trans people were revered, we were revered and uplifted for who we were in our experience and not like how beautiful people think we are or how much we pass. And I think that, uh, if, you know, we get rid of these societal, like, these conditions that help cis people thrive, uh, you know, help exclude trans people from integrating into society, because when you integrate us, when you start to see us outside of the shadows, you know, things will get better. So they don't want that. And like I already said earlier in this conversation, I dare them to, like, lift 
like take away, you know, give trans people a day to thrive with no limitations. And I bet you the world will be completely upset because we are going to do the damn thing because in spite of all the barriers that we have faced collectively, look where we are today. Mm. Wow. So I just have one more question. Um, so we just, we briefly spoke about Pose and we know Pose came out about two years ago, I wanna say. Um, what's your thought on Pose? Do you feel like it's, it's helping or hindering the community? Do you think it's amplifying or it's just more so like, for lack of better words, like a caricature? or some sort of like, you mm. know, monetary thing? So I have like mixed feelings about Pose. So one okay. thing okay. I would say is that Pose, you know, I think all like all institutions, all of these companies could be doing more. So I'm poor, Pose can be doing more, but mm. I do know that Pose has definitely given people in my life personally a platform to like really um, just like excel. Um, so like, you know, I can never really talk bad about like an experience that people have had that really has elevated their careers and taken them out of um, the circumstances that they were in or even expanded their repertoire and allowed them to really get access into an entertainment industry that they would not have had access to otherwise. I do think that some of the representations, because Pose is fiction, I think that you know, like if it's fiction, like let's be fictional, right? Like like I know you're fictional and everything. Like, let's like like let's like who like who are you creating the story for? Are you creating the story to uh, I thought it was loosely based on Paris was is burning in a in an odd way. Yeah, I, I guess they do reference a lot of these real like stories real stories, but like it is fiction and in mm -hmm. the sense that it's fiction, like you know, like you can create the story any story you wanna be, right? So mm -hmm. like you right. can create a black trans woman who's the president of the United States, right? But mm -hmm. like and so let's be let's be courageous in creating these representations that really um, explore the possibilities of black trans women, right? And not just feed or tell like these like like porno like disaster pornographic images about our lives. I want to see like really really uplifting representations of trans people mm -hmm. because I know that when I was younger, one of the reasons that helped me back from transitioning because of some of the representations that I saw of myself on television, and I was like, that is not me, right? Mm -hmm. And and you when you learn about these things, it's like that wasn't even the people that were was in the like, that was being represented. They were being they were they're just acting, right? They were not even living these lies, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to see more accurate, right, and diverse <laughs> representations of people in the ballroom and of like the many different characters, right? Because it's fiction. So like you can make it whatever you want it to be. And I right. want to see more joy. You know, one of the most like I think it was like the best moment of the show, but it was like really triggering for me is when they killed off Candy. Candy, yeah. Uh, I yeah, agree. Yeah. It yeah, was I like agree. it was like a really true, 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 true like I felt her experience of like, you know, and this is not always the case, but a lot of cases, like that moment when you die as a black trans woman, like that moment, like your life is uplifted and like you can't even, you never seen that love or experience that love from like the people who were the closest to you, even some of the people who identify, you know, with you, like they didn't, they didn't 
it weren't able to uplift you because of like, you know, as we've been talking about this whole conversation, a lot of the societal limitations that make it so that we just don't love each other. And yeah. like she was a dark black trans woman and the way mm. her character was, you know, she was viewed as the rebellious one, the combative yeah. one. The, the loud one. one. Who mm-hmm. Loud, who was angry, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's like, you know, she was only able to be uplifted and rewarded in her death. And I just really, you know, for me, you asked me, uh, what was my fear? Like, what is my greatest fear? My greatest fear is just that, right? That mm-hmm. people don't have the courage to love me in my during my life. And when I'm living, but they uh, remember all that I've done and how I've impacted them in a meaningful way when I die, when I can't receive, um, when I can't benefit from the love. Love is important. Love is powerful. Mm-hmm. The lack of love is what holds a lot of us back when we don't feel like we have love. You know, it like it it changes. Love is transformative. Love is really, 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 really. Uh, uh, like something that we all really need to help us, yeah. um, you know, move and get out of like some of the situations mm-hmm. we um, we like kind of get sunk in. You know what I mean? I think yeah. love can love can conquer all. I truly believe that. Absolutely, I, I agree with that, Gio. Give 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 me my flowers while I'm still living. Absolutely. No. So that was the end of our questions. Um, if you have anything you would like to say before we wrap up, you're more Any questions for us? Yours. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll just ask you guys, like, one question, and also I'll give you, like, a task that I hope I can leave you with. And, and also, mm-hmm. offline, we'll schedule some time to Kiki and meet in person. Yes. Um, <laughs> question is... Um, why why this interview now and um second question well a second like what i want to leave you with so that's the question i want you to you to do but i want to leave you with um i want to say thank you for um giving me the opportunity to share my voice Mm -hmm. um also being um contributors to the work that i do and the work that i feel that would define um my life which is the work with btfa um Mm -hmm. so so much for contributing to the work that we do and um and i want to say that i hope that um this conversation doesn't stop here and i implore you to invite keisha onto your platform to hear (laughs) stories of some of the most marginalized black trans women and not only trans women who speak like me or who represent or who have had the privilege to you know get you know to the certain point that i am in i am in my life um so Mm -hmm. you know that's it so to answer that this is this is actually our second interview with a trans woman of experience uh trans women yeah i guess um, I feel like now was important because of the divide, um, unfortunately, that we're seeing with with everything going on. And it's really only women, black women, or just women in general who speak up, who try to be, I don't want to say try to be allies, but I don't know, who, 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 who really just kind of support the movement. And I feel like it needs to be more. You know what I mean? Like in terms of supporting um, trans women, especially in in terms of their safety as well, I just feel like it needs to be heard. I agree with Idia. Um, And uh, in addition to that, I would like to say that 
um, black women and black trans people are definitely on the forefront. They are doing the groundwork. They are advocating for every single black person in all capacity. And um, like, like she said, I think with the climate of the country right now, especially with black trans women, um, I thought it was, we thought that it would be very important to one, have someone who is of that experience. We cannot speak to that experience as cisgendered women. Um, and there's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing like getting educated and learning from someone who is living of that experience. So we thought that it was very important to not only learn for ourselves as a unit and as, as individuals, but also to educate and, and highlight to our listeners and to our friends and our family members who one may not understand, two don't have any friends or family members that are of the trans experience, nor do they have any sort of inclination to even, you know, want to learn sometimes. I think a lot of the times when, when people have conversations with the LGBT plus community, they sometimes are scared to ask certain questions. They're so, sometimes afraid to, you know, why does this happen? Why does this, why, do, you know, what, what happens with this and et cetera, et cetera. Because or they just ask about their sexual organs. Right, exactly. They want to know what's in between your legs. Do you still have it or you don't have it anymore? Did you change it? Did you not? You know, how are you able to do this and do that? And I thought, we thought it was very important to, you know, thankfully for our connect Marco. Shout out to Marco. Um, I, 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 him and I speak about a lot of things and I felt, we felt that it was very important to, to have you on the show to speak to that, to, to educate us and, you know, to highlight the things that we may not understand and, and the things that we may not have even thought of ever. So we, again, we really appreciate you for being on the show today, Gia. We thank you. We can thank I you. Yeah. So, you know, um, please, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and my work at love.gia. Um, and from there, if you want to follow me on like Twitter or Facebook, you'll find the information there. I, I don't have like a consistent handle, so I don't even know my handles. On <laughs> and also, like uh, we spoke a lot about the work that I do with BTFA. The work is definitely a necessity. Um, you know, not a lot of times have I had the to had the opportunity to really focus on Black trans joy especially Black Trans Femmes Joy, and that is what we do. So um, you can follow us on Instagram at BTFA Collective, um, and you can follow us on Twitter at BTFA Collective and Facebook at Black Trans Femmes in the Arts Collective. And um, through those platforms, you can contribute to the work that we're doing and donate what you can to support sustainable um, work around uplifting the Black, black Trans Femmes in the Arts. Yes, yes, thank you so much. So all the links, Instagram, Facebook, the BTFA pages as well will be in the description. So all you guys and have to do is click on link. it. The okay. donation links will be on will be in the description as well, as well as Gia's um Instagram and when she finds her Twitter, we'll put her Twitter there. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think it's Gia L O V three. I think that's my Twitter. Okay, okay, no You better know. <laughs> yeah. Tweet me, baby. <laughs> Tweet me. Thank Again, you so Gia, much. thank you so much for coming um, on Just Winging It. We really appreciate it, and we hope that um, the listeners out there will learn from this and, um, you know, be honest and real with conversations. And if you want to learn more, follow BTFA Collective uh -huh. on Twitter and BTFA Collective on Instagram to support the arts, support trans women, and... You know, stop killing trans women, period.
Like yeah. I have got to stop that. Like they are human beings. They 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 want to be loved. They need to. They need their flowers while they're still living. Yeah. Let's support each other. Black women speak up. Black men speak up. Everybody speak up because at the end of the day, they are on the forefront. They are doing the groundwork for us. They're making sure that we're okay, and let's do the same for them. Yes. Thank and you that so was, much, Gia. On that note, it's a wrap. It's <laughs> a wrap. And that was and just that me. Was just me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.